Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I am joined as always by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Also catch Talking Tide live on Facebook on YouTube, on any podcasting app you prefer. Also catch us at our web host at megaphone.com. want to thank a couple of sponsors quickly. That would be Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. We'll have a little bit more on them later in the program. As always, we recap Alabama's 33-18 to loss to the Georgia Bulldogs in the college football national championship game in this episode of Talking Tide. Talk a little bit of hoops on the back end of things. The Crimson Tide uh, taking on Auburn at home. Uh, but, of course, the big news, Travis, Alabama goes down in the rematch to the Georgia Bulldogs, a game that looked like it might just play out with field goals for quite a while. And then, uh, of course, in the second half, particularly late in the second half, all of a sudden, Paydart. Pay dirt uh, started getting hit uh, quickly and more often by Georgia. It was a it was a tough game certainly for uh, the Crimson Tide to uh, lose. But I tell you, to me, Travis, two things stood out in this win. One, I thought Georgia's red zone defense played a huge role in this game. Right, Alabama four trips in the red zone offensively turned away for field goals on three of those, the first three trips into the red zone. That was certainly a big factor. Uh, and, and then, of course, late in the game, Stetson Bennett kind of coming alive. Uh, made all the difference in this one to me. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it statistically, Alabama total yards, 399, Georgia 364. Um, first downs, Alabama 22, Georgia 20. Third downs, Alabama 9 of 20, Georgia 4 of 12. And what's that they say about stats are for losers? Because Alabama actually ran nearly 30 more plays in the game, too, Chase, than did Georgia. 85 snaps for the Alabama offense, just 56 for the Georgia Bulldogs. But points, those are always kind of important. 27 of those for Georgia, including one on a non-offensive touchdown to pretty much in the game there in the fourth quarter. So the dogs do get over the hump, and I agree. When it was on the line there in the fourth quarter, Alabama takes the lead following Bennett's mistake, or at least his forced mistake, with the fumble and the recovery there by Brian Branch for Alabama at the Georgia 16. Alabama finally cashes in on one of those red zone opportunities for a touchdown. Georgia attacked those corners for Alabama. Kool-Aid McKinstry, Kyrie Jackson, and you know, made the plays there on what was really the drive that that clinched it for the uh, the Bulldogs. There were times when it seemed like the moment was too big for Stetson Bennett. I mean, certainly early in the game, Georgia really could not move the ball. Uh, a field goal here and there, uh, some punting here and there, but but really, uh, Stetson Bennett struggled in this game. Matter of fact, uh, at halftime. The only completion he'd made over 10 yards was the 52-yard deep ball to, to Pickens. Uh, but other than that, it was 10 yards or less for, for every, every completion he had up to that point. Uh, but like you said, uh, he came alive in the second half. He hit the deep ball 
on Kyrie Jackson for a touchdown, comes right back, hits Brock Bowers, who had a quiet game until that moment uh, for uh, a touchdown that, that really put Alabama behind the eight ball, put them down eight with a couple minutes to go. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a uh, it was a game that Alabama certainly had their opportunities, right? I mean, you had a couple of big drops in the game. I know Alabama fans have, are all over a Jai Hall for a big drop on a deep ball uh, coming out of this game. Although Travis Cameron Latou, who's been pretty consistent this year catching the football, he had a big drop as well in the end zone on a much uh, shorter pass, but a big one where there was a little bit of a bust uh, in the Georgia defense. He was open there for a second. I think Channing Tindall uh, kind of blew a coverage on him and, and ball goes through his hands and, uh, Nicobe Dean jumped right in Channing Tindall's face right after that one. And then the next play, Tindall gets a sack of Bryce Young uh, to uh, force a, a field goal try. So that was another missed opportunity for uh, the Alabama offense. But look, credit to Georgia. Uh, certainly played an outstanding game. They got to Bryce Young with the pass rush much better than they did in the SEC championship game. That played a big role as well. Yeah, and we've gone this far without even talking about Jamison Williams yet. And that was sort of impactful there early in the second quarter sure. when you're, you know, first round pick at the wide receiver position and the guy who went for nearly 200 against this Georgia secondary the last time they met leaves the game with what we've learned now from Adam Schefter and others, apparently an ACL, which you sort of figured that was the case, just looking at the replay. And even in real time, you just – had that non-contact injury sense about it. So, uh, Jamison, at the time of his injury, you're looking at, what, four catches for 65 yards? So, one of life's great mysteries. How much would his impact have made on this game? Hard to say. You know, I thought Georgia offensively in the second half, because Alabama wasn't able to keep the pressure applied to Georgia like it would have liked to, I'm sure, Georgia was able to maintain its wits offensively, reaffirm its commitment to balance, and that's when you saw Zamir White and James Cook hit some big runs in the second half, too. So whereas you give Stetson Bennett a lot of credit, it was actually, from what I saw, the Georgia run game that helped that offense settle in there in the third quarter. No doubt. 67-yard by Cook set up a field goal, if I'm not mistaken, for the Bulldogs, and then, of course, Zamir White, uh, who was a really a non-factor in the SEC championship game, he he pounded out a lot of yards for Georgia. I think he had 80-plus rushing yards in the game for the Bulldogs and set up some second shorts and, and, and really went a long way, I thought, toward, like you said, kind of stabilizing things for Stetson Bennett. Yeah, 135 rushing yards combined for Cook and White in the second half. So that's more along the lines of what Georgia football is about when things are going well on the offensive side. And, you know, we talk about the corners for Alabama and McKinstry and Jackson, and they gave some things up, committed some penalties in the game. But run support from the Alabama secondary wasn't what it needed to be either in that second half. You had some safeties missing some opportunities against Cook and Zamir White uh, in run support. McKinstry had an opportunity on Cook's big run to help clean that up before it got out the gate. So uh, the front seven for Alabama for really 
most of three quarters did exactly what it needed to do, but uh, really over the entirety there of the second half, Georgia's balance was was problematic. Big, I thought, for Alabama in this game, Travis, was uh, the defensive stop, a three-and-out stop that they got following Bryce Young's first interception of the game. Uh, you really thought when that pick was thrown, set Georgia up with some outstanding field position that that might be a point in the game where Georgia could kind of uh, break Alabama. Uh, but the defense holds. They get a, a three and out right there, force a punt. And uh, to, to me, that is as much as anything helped help keep Alabama right there in it. Yeah, I thought, again, defensively um... – Alabama really set the tone from the outset, got the sack of Bennett on that opening possession from Christian Harris. And, you know, again, st stats can be deceiving, but four sacks in the game for Alabama uh, with all of that coming from Christian Harris and Dallas Turner, who was just tremendous uh, over the second half of the season. We've talked about it. I think it was eight and a half sacks over his last seven games of the season two more in the game on Monday night. Christian Harris, I thought, played pretty well for the most part. Um, front seven-wise, you were in good shape and even generated some pass rush, I thought, there more so in the first half. But for the game, uh, zero tackles for loss for Alabama's defensive front. So whereas they were solid and paving the way for the linebackers to do some of the things they needed to do, uh, you didn't get negative play production from the guys up front either. No, no, you didn't. Uh, that that Georgia offensive line, Georgia's big. They really uh, on both sides of the line, uh, mm -hmm. and, and and I, Alabama's big too. Look, Nick Saban's never going to get caught with an undersized team, but I thought Georgia was as big as any Alabama opponent I've ever seen. I mean, up front, they they got. Particularly on the line of scrimmage, right? I mean, Nicobe Dean, you know, so the linebackers aren't all huge, but uh, I thought the I thought Georgia's size played a role. They were able to lean on Alabama some. Uh, you saw some of that when Zamir White got his yardage. There was some push on that line of scrimmage uh, to kind of spring him. Uh, phenomenal effort for the Georgia Bulldogs win their first national championship since. 1980, Travis, 41 years. Yeah. That's a long, long wait for that program. A storied program, a, a program that, that uh, football means an awful lot over there in Athens. And uh, they they get over the hump. And uh, glad to see Vince Dooley in attendance for that one, too. Yeah, Vince showed up, you know, to sort of bookend this thing between the win over Notre Dame and the 1981 Sugar Bowl to cap that 80 season and that title. For an undefeated Georgia team led by a true freshman by the name of Herschel Walker. Um, you know, and in-state kids largely responsible um, for national championships. Wrightsville, Georgia for Herschel Walker back in the day. And Blackshear, Georgia. The pride of Blackshear down in southeast Georgia. A suburb of Waycross, as you know it, Chase. Just north of Jacksonville, Florida for Stetson Bennett. There you have it. Uh, Bryce Young, final numbers for the game. Travis, 35 out of 57 for 369 yards. As we mentioned, he took four sacks in the game through a couple of picks. Uh, 57 attempts, though, that's an awful high number. I mean, yeah. I mean you, you, you know, you, generally things aren't going great when you've got to throw it that much. I thought Alabama was able to establish – 
uh, Brian Robinson Jr. for for one drive really is about it is uh, uh, one possession there in the second half. They kind of got him off, hit him in the passing game a little bit and uh, got got him unglued. Otherwise, Georgia did an excellent job on him. Yeah, they did. I thought Alabama did a better job in the second half of throwing the football to Brian Robinson. Maybe would have liked to have seen even more of that. Um, I know you have to keep some guys in and pass protection. I get that. But even on early downs, if you can't run it the way you would like to, throw it to the guy. Uh, He had four catches for 28 yards, all of that in the second half. But, you know, once Jamison went out, separation for Alabama receivers across the board became really problematic. I mean, when you look at it for the game, eight pass breakups by Georgia. And a lot of times you look at breakups and maybe half of those are from front seven guys in the pass Mm -hmm. rush. Maybe they're getting hands in the passing lanes. But I'm looking at it and, gosh, between the linebacker and DB levels, seven of those eight pass breakups came from either defensive backs or, say, N'Kobe Dean who may have been in coverage on his, I'm not entirely sure. So that's a lot. And again, I think it speaks to the issues Alabama had getting guys open uh, on top of trying to deal with that Georgia pass rush uh, once Jamison Williams left the game. There's no understating Williams' value to the Alabama offense. There really isn't. And and he, he became even more valuable when John Mechie went out for the season with his injury. Uh, but such a deep threat, like you said, a guy that can get tons of separation. We saw him get all the separation in the world against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Got loose for a 40-yard catch on the very play that he was hurt on. That was the first time in the game that Alabama had really cut it loose deep and uh, got Jamison Williams a big play. Like you said, a non-contact injury. You hate to see it. Uh, but what a phenomenal year for Jamison Williams on the whole, coming from Ohio State. Really hadn't done a lot for the Buckeyes when he came to Alabama. I think a, a lot of a lot of fans didn't know what to expect. Uh, he had a reputation for speed, for sure. Uh, but I don't know that anybody expected anywhere near the production that he delivered for this Alabama team. And and Nick Saban foreshadowed it, Travis, back in August in fall camp. He stood in front of that microphone and said, this is going to be a featured guy. That's what he said. And for Nick Saban to say that about a transfer, you kind of knew right there that at the very least, Jamison Williams was going to be a regular starter that would get targeted a lot. But he he ended up being even more than that. Yeah, and you look at it for Alabama over the last four games of the season, uh, the Crimson Tide didn't get um, more than a full half out of either Williams or Mechie in any of those final four games because Williams went out in the first half with targeting against Auburn. Mechie goes out with the knee injury in the second quarter against um, Georgia in Atlanta. Cincinnati, you don't have Mechie at all. And then you go nearly three quarters without both of them uh, in the national championship game. So uh, you went three and one through that stretch with, that type of availability for your top two guys, that's probably not all that bad of a record if we're being honest here. Alabama had to work for every yard in in that national team. You could kind of see it, particularly after Williams went out. It, you could just tell that Bryce Young was 
was under duress. He was under pressure, obviously, not only from the Georgia pass rush, but like you said, uh, targets well covered. Wasn't a lot for him to do. Uh, it was, uh, I thought, given the circumstances, particularly after Williams' injury, I thought Bryce Young uh, did the best he could. Yes, he threw a couple picks. At the end of the day, uh, Georgia was the better football team, and uh, the Bulldogs got it done. So, uh, you know, Young comes back next year. Will Anderson comes back next year. And on the other side uh, of our sponsorship messaging, we will uh, discuss uh, where Alabama sits coming back for 2022 and uh, some transfer portal news and some things of that nature. Get to that and more here in just a few minutes. But first, going to thank a couple sponsors here on the Talking Tide podcast. Going to start, as always, by telling you about North River Dental Associates, Dr. Jack Smalley. I was just there two days ago uh, for my twice yearly cleaning. In and out of there in less than an hour, like always, they did a super job. No cavities, Travis. Give me an A plus uh, for that. Uh, and of course, uh, always a great experience over there at North River Dental, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, every kind of dentistry there is. They'll get you taken care of. 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. The teeth whitening services, always popular as well. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments over there at North River Dental to tighten up those facial features. Give Dr. Jack's office a ring. The phone number is 752-3506 or give him a look online at NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. No cavities, you say? We can take care of that at Peterbrook Chocolatier. <laughs> That's right. How's that for a segue? Actually, we have magic chocolate at Peterbrook. No cavities from there the chocolate go. there at Peterbrook. It's magic. It's magical. Peterbrook Chocolatier at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. It's almost time. It's always time for those hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. But you know what's coming up in almost exactly a month's time. That's right. Valentine's Day is upon us. And for your go-to source where those babies are concerned, well, of course, it's Peterbrook Chocolatier because the chocolate hand-dipped strawberries at Peterbrook, when you ship them maybe from California or somewhere else, it's maybe been a couple of three days since those strawberries have been hand-dipped before they're shipped. Well, you go by Peterbrook, you order from Peterbrook, those are going to be the freshest strawberries you're going to find anywhere. Valentine's Day coming up, lots of great options there. At Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings, a new promotion to tell you about. The NFL playoffs are here. The DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wild card NFL team to win their game. Simply bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. 
Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's with promo code TPPN right now on Wild Card Weekend at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Can't beat that deal, Travis. No, uh, absolutely not. And uh, we will uh, dive right into a quick look ahead at Alabama football for 2022. Touch on some Alabama basketball as well. Travis, uh, as we mentioned, the centerpiece of the offense, the centerpiece of the defense, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, both sophomores, both back for 2022. Uh, A great way for Nick Saban to get things started. Not that there aren't going to be plenty of areas that need uh, addressing and uh, rebuilding. Certainly the secondary looks like it's going to have some turnover, but uh, uh, not a bad place to start, Travis, with the Heisman Trophy winner on offense and the fifth-place Heisman, uh, not a finalist, but Will Anderson finished fifth in the Heisman on defense. Not bad starting there. No, uh, and, you know, it's not just about talented guys or productive guys either as sophomores. You know, these guys in their second years in the program were permanent team captains at Alabama. So you're getting a lot from an intangible perspective as you try not to make your uh, – you try to make the most out of, of, of this loss and you look ahead to the offseason and, and what you hope to be motivation to push you through into 2022 when – you know, Alabama's already going to be considered to be the favorite to win the national title uh, next season. So there are absolutely some nice foundational pieces. Anytime you start with a quarterback, uh, the the caliber of Bryce, uh, that, that takes care of a lot of issues. But they have some questions on offense with Evan Neal anticipated to move on to the NFL draft, the tackle position, um, you know, wide receiver, waiting on some announcements some decisions from John Mechie, Jamison Williams. Uh, I know we're going to talk some transfer portal. That thing swings both ways. It's been mostly uh, what Alabama would like to hear to this point. Here in the last 12 hours or so, we've heard more about guys going out of the portal. So defensively, anytime you've got an edge defender and to combine him with a young player like Dallas Turner, when you have Anderson and those two, you're in good shape. But now you also have some questions over there, too. No doubt Turner uh, and Anderson are going to give Alabama a serious one-two pass rush punch on the edge in 2022. Uh, secondary, obviously, they're going to be replacing some guys. But, hey, look, Kool-Aid McKinstry got a lot of experience as a freshman, Travis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, uh, you know, even though you lose uh, Josh Job, et cetera, and some other guys back there, uh, McKinstry, McKinstry comes back with, with, uh, uh, a, a lot of experience in that secondary is going to, going to be, um, going to be a key factor back there. Going to be a big year for him. Yeah. I mean, you took some lumps, you know, down the stretch with Kool-Aid playing as much as he did, did some good things too. Um, same thing for Kyrie Jackson in terms of limited experience, but you know, you should be able to reap the rewards from that looking ahead to next season. And then you got a transfer that's in there and Eli Ricks coming in from LSU. So that certainly augments that situation as well. And, 
you know, safety is going to be interesting because Jordan Battle could be on his way to the NFL. Uh, you would think DeMarco Hellams comes back for another year. Uh, but even on the back end, as you outlined, there still some some nice uh, nice options to to work with. Also, the return of Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams, a lot of eyes on that in the Alabama running game. Brian Robinson, of course, going to be moving on. He's uh, accepted an invitation to the Reese's Senior Bowl, uh, which we'll be keeping an eye on. That's going to be played a little bit later this year, February 5th, uh, because that new 17-game NFL schedule pushes everything back by a week, including the Senior Bowl, the Super Bowl, et cetera. Uh, but Brian Robinson uh, going to be down in Mobile for uh, that first week of February. Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams lost to the season uh, with injuries. A couple of very talented players. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to get back, be ready to roll 100% by next August. The transfer portal, you mentioned, Travis, some names on their way out. Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end, not a huge surprise uh, given the way his playing time went this season. He enters the portal along with Drew Sanders, quarterback Paul Tyson, offensive lineman Tommy Brown, and King Makuta as well. Uh, Sanders may be the biggest surprise to me in that group, Travis, although the way Dallas Turner kind of turned it on uh, for Alabama down the stretch, uh, perhaps not a huge surprise, but I didn't expect to see uh, Drew Sanders moving on. Yeah, and I guess Christopher Allen technically could come back after going out with the foot injury in the season opener, but you know he's already, I think, a fifth-year guy that's had a knee and a foot, so mm. at this point, I wouldn't think he would be back, but yeah, I thought Sanders was a little bit of a surprise as well. This is a guy that started three games. He was actually the next guy up after Allen went out, but uh, Dallas Turner has certainly taken advantage of the opportunity with the negative play production, but not just that. I mean, we've seen Dallas Turner drop into coverage and do some pretty good things, things that Drew Sanders did exceptionally well, and Turner has an edge already in terms of pass rush, which is the money aspect of all that as we know an outside linebacker these days so you still have Chris Braswell you would think in that mix although you know I wouldn't go as far as to say okay this is over these are the guys that are hitting the portal uh I'd keep my head on a tomorrow yeah act like you're running down on a kickoff is what I'm saying if you're an Alabama fan right now head on a swivel (laughs) head on a swivel when it comes to your roster and your coaching staff for that matter uh, speaking of which, Jay Valai, Alabama cornerbacks coach off to Oklahoma, going to be part of that Brent Venables staff with Sooners. Uh, wouldn't be surprised at all, of course, to see Alabama lose some more assistance. Bill O'Brien, his name has been kicked around for uh, more than one head coach. It's been kicked position. around, all right. More so by <laughs> Alabama fans this year. Yeah. Even NFL teams or college teams. But, yeah. Kicked around. That's kicked a great around way to put a couple that. different ways. It's been kicked around. Yeah, <laughs> you kicked around a little bit. You kicked them early. You a little. You kicked them a little bit yourself. <laughs> Drinks are on the house. They're uh, on the house. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, uh, Jimmy but, Conway was an Irishman too. You know. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. But uh, a, a Doug Marone potentially out the door as well. You never know there. Uh, if, if he decides he wants that to that could be a duo that leaves together because right. they're tight, you they're, know, and that was, they kind of, they kind of were a duo coming in. That's kind of the way it worked. So we'll see. Yeah. That, that's going to be fascinating to follow here.
Finally, Travis, before we close things out, Alabama basketball takes a tough loss for sure at home against the Auburn Tigers, 88 to 70, excuse me, 81 to 77, the final score. Uh, that coming on Tuesday evening, a packed house, a raucous crowd watching the Crimson Tide take on Auburn, which improved to 15 and one, Travis, top five team yeah. right now. Uh, is the Auburn Tigers, uh, Jabari Smith, 6'10", shooter extraordinaire, had a phenomenal game, NBA, big-time NBA prospect, uh, kind of led the way along with uh, Wendell Green, and Auburn got it done. Alabama cold in the first half from three-point range. They warmed up in the second half and made a real game of it, uh, but over the last minute or so, Auburn was able to pull away and, and win it by four. Yeah, give Alabama credit. Auburn is up 14 with 7.57 left in the game at 73-59. to Crimson Tide goes on, I believe it was a 12-0 run, 14-0 run, I guess it was, to tie the game at 73 and nip and tuck the rest of the way. A really rough final minute for Alabama. Had opportunities on a 50-50 ball that it wasn't able to corral, and then it immediately fouls after that. Um just uh, didn't play its best basketball in the final 54 seconds. That's for sure. Fouled um, a couple of times when it absolutely could not. And put Auburn at the free throw line. Auburn hits four free throws down the stretch and gets the win. Alabama also a couple of good looks from three that one they turned down in the corner and, and then one they just could not convert. Alabama 7 out of 31 from three-point range. Like I said, cold in the first half. Got to hit a few late as part of that 14-0 run, Travis. But 7 out of 31 uh, will not feed the Bulldog, so to speak. Uh, 24 <laughs> out of 29 free throw shooting, though. That, that kept them in the game. 57 threes between the teams. Good bread. And 51 frees. 50-plus. When it comes to three-pointers and free throws, Alabama actually 24 of 29 from the line and you lose. That's pretty tough. It's tough. Alabama a little bit up and down as things have gotten underway in the Southeastern Conference. They knocked off Florida 83-70, to turned around and lost at Missouri by six. Now they've lost to Auburn by four. Up next for the Crimson Tide, they will be on the road at the hump, January 15th, that'll be a 5 p.m. tip-off against Mississippi State down in Starkville as the Crimson Tide will try to rebound against uh, the Bulldogs. We're talking Bulldogs. A lot of Bulldogs, here man. On this a lot show of Bulldogs. On Talking Tide. That's going to do it for us. Here on the Talking Tide podcast, be sure to join us in another week. Travis and I will get you caught up on Alabama men's basketball and plenty more going forward here on the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodred of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we'll talk to you next time here on Talking Tide.